When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Ho, ho, ho! Merry post-Christmas, everybody! Santa Claus here wishing you a happy, belated holiday season. Hope you, hope you had a great present and a great time. I drank in the bathtub by myself. Mrs. Claus has been on the fritz. Not Santa. Adam Ray. Back with another special About Last Night podcast post-Christmas. Uh, Hanukkah. Hope you guys are having a good... Uh, a good holiday season as we head into 2023. And as we do that here on the About Last Night podcast, which thank you for coming back. Thank you for subscribing. Share it with your friends, your family, your lovers, your exes. Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. Uh, watching the podcast is always a delight. And today's episode, the production value is top notch, baby. We shot this episode in Seattle, Washington with one of my favorite people, one of my favorite athletes, a true gangster on and off the field, a Seahawk legend, a pro bowler, a Super Bowl champ, Doug Baldwin. You know him, you love him. If you don't know him, that's just because you're trying to act cool because you do know him. Legend, and uh, met him at the Champions of Change game that he, Michael Bennett, and Cliff Averill, fellow Seahawk legends, organized for their organization, charity, uh, and uh, and the dude is just a gangster. And so we, um, we sat down for about an hour and a half and chatted everything Seahawks Super Bowl Stanford Florida where he grew up Seattle hooping um man the guy is just a great podcaster the conversation uh could have gone for five hours Doug is uh a, 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 has the gift of gab and was just real generous with his stories and his time and and uh real inspiring shit too it's always cool when you can uh my favorite podcasts are the ones where uh you know you walk away going man that guy's impressive and uh, we had some laughs as well, always. That's what this show's about. Uh, so enjoy the hell out of this episode. Follow Dougie B on Twitter at Doug Baldwin Jr. Follow me on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Adam Ray Comedy, the podcast at ALN Podcast. And we have a TikTok, a TikTok for About Last Night, which is just About Last Night on TikTok. Of course, AdamRayComedy.com for all my merch, tour dates, videos, tour dates. We got some fun ones like this week. I'm in Vegas to close out 2022. 
The Laugh Factory at the Tropicana Casino in Las Vegas. Come out and see me December 29th through January 1st. We'll ring in the new year. Start 2023 off with a bang in Vegas. And then right after that, going to Minnesota, Acme Comedy Company, January 4th through the 7th. And then we're going to Baltimore doing Magoobies Comedy Club, January 26th through the 28th. And then just added, Oxnard, Levity Live, February 3rd through the 5th. Come out and see your boy, Oxnard, Levity Live. Can't wait. Love this club. Uh, February 3rd through the 5th. And uh, and then Batavia, Illinois, February 16th through the 18th. Um, and then San Francisco Punchline, March 1st through the 4th. And then the hits just keep on coming, man. Uh, Detroit, West Palm Beach, Chicago, Phoenix, Seattle, um, Dallas, Fort Worth. Come out and see your boy, AdamRayComedy.com, for all those tickets. Also, I will be doing shows with the Impractical Jokers April 7th and 8th in Portland and Seattle. I cannot fucking wait. Come out and see those shows. Get your tickets uh, at ImpracticalJokers.com. Of course, Young Rock, we got a handful of episodes left every Friday, NBC. Welcome to Chippendales has a few episodes left Tuesday nights on Hulu. So many great episodes and surprises coming up, so make sure you are subscribed. Again, on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. And now that we got all the goodies out of the way, sit back, relax, and enjoy the last episode of 2022 with the man, the myth, the legend, Doug Baldwin. Hey, it's Herbert. Mm-hmm. And you're listening to the About Last Night podcast, you slippery little son of a bitch. Baldwin makes the catch on a slant, he's at the 40, 35, he accelerates, 20, 15, 10, 5, the little guy from Stanford, the rookie, Doug Baldwin. A few years ago, I was in these same shoes, you know, and uh, being able to come back out here and see the kids enjoy themselves, and they're, they're smiling and having fun and interacting back with you, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's such a rewarding feeling. I've been blessed with a platform, and I think the platform is an opportunity to express the values and the importance of, um, of doing that soulful work. You're never going to be perfect, but you strive for perfection, and that's just the mentality that I have. Successful, but it's, it's going to build character and build strength and, and fortitude in how, how you handle it. Let's talk some shit. Let's talk some shit. Guys, welcome back to the show with the great 
Be on that mic too. Yeah, you know what you're doing. I do. I've I seen do. you on a mic many times. <laughs> There's quite a bit of Doug Baldwin um, YouTube interview footage out there. Is there? You had your own like. Um, uh, nope, we're not talking about that. <laughs> all right, moving on. <laughs> um, first of all, appreciate you for making time. Of course, I want to say you, appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come join you, bro. Anytime. You're a you're a legend, and uh, you know very few people will. First of all, for people, how we met was at the uh, Champions of Change, uh, Cliff and Mike Bennett's uh, organization, which is doing uh, insane work. Check them out, championsofchange.com, .org. .org. .org, keeping the .orgs alive. Um, when we met there, uh, and I asked you to do the pod, and you were like, for sure, take my number. You know, I for sure, uh, and it was a fake number, and so I had to track you down. <laughs> no, it was not. Yeah, it was, it was a real number, and it was uh, and it was real sentiment, and, uh, and a lot of people, you know, it's... You just get so accustomed to lip service, especially I think in our you know entertainment uh, athletic industry of people for you know sure. for sure whatever. So you're man of your word, and I appreciate it. Of course, um, that game was crazy. I didn't know you could hoop. <laughs> you're here um, with your fam and coming straight from a LA Fitness beatdown. Beat yes, beatdown. <laughs> beatdown. What's how how comp- you're probably one of the most competitive guys I'd say I think I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Champions of Change game, I mean, you fucking were going for MVP. And you said that right out of the gate. And I was like, all right, he's, you know, we'll see. You know, Doug's, I don't know, man. I feel like he's talking a big game. You know, Sherman was talking a big game. And then you get out there, you were hitting threes, you were fucking dunking, you were bottoming people up, you were talking shit. It was awesome. Is that uh, is that you through and through? Yeah, I'm a competitor. Yeah. It, it, every time you, it, and I say this, when I, when I meet somebody and they say, oh yeah, I met you at LA Fitness, I say, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't judge me based off of that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. when I'm playing basketball because yeah. that's a totally different person. The LA Fitness competition can't, like I was just saying, I'm not trying to get a contract on there. Yeah. You said. Yeah, don't come to our LA Fitness with that <laughs> mindset. That's the wrong mindset. We're in there to hoop. Wow. Yeah, we're in there to hoop and win, period. Have, have you been like that since you were a kid? Since Where's I can that? remember. Wow. So yeah. peewee football, you were just fucking trying to kill people. Uh, No, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. I wouldn't try to kill people on the football field right away um it didn't happen probably until uh 13 12 13 years old Mm. um i had i was i was the star player on my team and then if you let my mom and my coaches tell it they say that i got arrogant and that i wasn't working as hard um and so they they demoted me and uh and i didn't take that very kindly (laughs) so then i was out to prove them that they made a mistake and eventually i got my starting position back and then you know uh rest is history but uh this is in golf well the the team was in pensacola florida gotcha yeah yeah but you grew up in golf uh golf breeze golf breeze yeah where is that it's in the panhandle of florida there it is 40 30 minutes away from mobile alabama so it's it's really like a mix of yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. mix. I just yeah. went and did a show in Alabama, <laughs> yeah. and I pulled up some of their goofy-ass laws to talk about. Oh. Alabama has a law where you, it's illegal to tie an alligator to a fire hydrant. Did you know that? I, I know that. Hey, meth, table for one. Who the fuck, first of all, owns an alligator <laughs> and has enough discrepancies to where they're like, I'm going to tie you up again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That place is wacky. How uh, how wacky was it to grow up in, uh, um, in Gulf Breeze? I mean, it was different because you have, um, you have folks who who have just you know been um that's just their way of life yeah. for a very long time you know right wrong or different there's not i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that it's just it's it's a certain way of living and then um i was one of the few black people at my school 
Wow. And so here's the thing. So there's this three-mile bridge. On one side of it is Gulf Breeze. On the other side is Pensacola. So I grew up, my my house was in Gulf Breeze because I was in the middle of Pensacola and Fort Walton Beach, my two grandparents' houses, Mm. right? But I spent all of my time in Pensacola. And so I kind of grew up in this this mix of two worlds and I got to see both sides of the spectrum and it was just, it was a very interesting upbringing, right? Um, and then I got to Stanford and it was a total cult, uh, culture shock for me. Oh, it yeah. was just, I was, you know, there's people from all walks of life all over the world, which I had never seen, never been exposed to before. And that was, uh, that was an adjustment for me. So I wouldn't say it was wacky. I, I, I really, I appreciate the perspective that I gained yes. living there from, you know, zero to 18 years old, but uh, really grateful for the experiences that I was exposed to leaving that area as well. Do not a lot of people leave uh, that area? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. 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 What is it like to be the only uh, black kid at a school um, or one of few? It was challenging. Yeah. It had its challenges. Yeah. My, uh, yeah, it had its challenges. One one year, I think it was my senior year, um, you know, it was like, it's it's senior year, so people are kind of lax, and they feel like they can just you know, they can kind of push your buttons a little bit because it's senior year. Sure. Um, and I was I you know they were kind of lax. I was fed up, right? Yeah. yeah. So we had an altercation, but it, it it got resolved and everything was fine. And you played um, so football at a twelve thirteen is when things kind of took it up a notch for you as yeah. far as like this wasn't just a for fun thing. Is that kind of well? It just. It was. It became. Um, it, ca- it became another avenue for me having to prove myself, prove mm. my value in the world. You know, so football was always that for me. So I started playing when I was six years old. Wow. Yeah. Um, my. So I, I actually quit that first year, and then the following year, I played. I wanted to quit. My mom wouldn't let me quit. Good for her. I ended up making the three, the the last three tackles in our championship game. Made the game saving tackle, and we won that championship game. And so I was hooked. Right. Um, the and adrenaline I was, from that moment, yeah, yeah. And I was, I was, I had always been a pretty good athlete, mm. and so once that started translating, and then I became, you know, uh, a really good player. Um, and then, yeah, you know, there's, I was a kid, right? So you do what kids do at that time, and I needed a butt kicking, and my coaches and my parents, they, you know, they were able to do that for me in that in those moments. But I, you know, at the moment, I took it personally. Yeah. Oh, you don't think I'm good enough to start? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to run through a brick wall. And I'm going to prove to y'all that I deserve to be out here. It worked out, but it was, you know, it was uh, it was a benefit for me in the long run. I was just going to say, having that type of, and you know, it's obviously like you know, paid dividends, and to have that sort of, um, I guess, obstacle at that age, like you know, you've talked about it at length um, once you got to the league about um, you know people just second guessing or having doubts. Do you think that is um, for any like young athlete now? Do you think more like if they're not having that, if they're just coasting through on getting accolades and, and adulation and all that, that it's more of a, um, you know, can do more damage? Um, I do. I And man, it's, this is this is a great topic because I've got three daughters now. Right. Yeah, and so I'm trying to. Figure, right. Thank you. I'm trying to figure out how do I protect them from the world? <laughs> Yes, essentially all TikTok. of the, all of the yes, social media. Man. Man, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously I got my brother and my cousin here and they're in that that phase of life. Bro, they look like they got 42 shitty TikTok dances between them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> probably more, probably more. Um My nieces are 13, man. They're all about it and I'm like, man, how do I control? It's like cuz it is a part of 
you know, you don't want to completely take away what is a part of their, yeah. you know, their time and their world. But like, yeah, how do you balance that? I have no idea. But I think, you know, from my perspective, when I watch football now, especially, you know, high school, college level, I just see a lot of kids who are just, they're not really focused about perfecting their craft. They're really just about the show. They want to get that, that picture or that video that they then they post on social media right to get clout from and i hate that shit Man, yeah it just irritates the hell out of me because that's not where we came from you know we came from like line up i'm gonna beat you because all i care about is winning period you know these kids nowadays they just they they want to get they want to put that stuff on social media, at least from my perspective, right? Sure. And that could be my old man talking. <laughs> no, right? no. I mean, but that's how I feel. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think that there are there's some level of, I don't want to say a lack of adversity. It's just maybe it's a lack of the perspective of how they look at adversity, hmm. right? Because, you know, look, the all the mental health issues are increasing. Suicide rates are increasing. So I don't want to take that away, right? Hmm. They are dealing with things that... I think are different than what we dealt with growing up. Yeah. However, I just think the the struggle or adversity that they're facing is different than what we faced, right? Like I faced having to wake up every Saturday morning and cut my grass after I finished cutting my grass and I had to travel over to my grandfather's house and cut his grass, right? Like what? those are the things that was instilled discipline and routine in me, which I don't feel like at least the, the, the generation I'm watching, they're not doing that. Bro, if this podcast, just like Sesame Street, was sponsored by, instead of letters and numbers, words, discipline, and routine. Yeah. Huge, dude. Yeah. I mean, you even, so you had uh, jobs as you were going through, what, middle school, high school? Of course. Yeah. And that was what your mom or pops, it, just being like- yeah, Absolutely. So <laughs> Saturday mornings, um, I, I had to be up cutting the grass. If I heard my dad outside weed eating the, the edge in the, the, the yard- I had to make sure I was up within 15 minutes because if I'm not out there within 15 minutes, there's a problem. Holy shit. Yeah. Was there ever a problem? Oh, uh, sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know how you can prep for high school and college. And I feel like college is good prep, right? For the real world. Yeah. Like you talk about some of the experiences like once you you know, got to Stanford that uh, that set you up for life, do you feel like that the college provides? Well, I mean, it was the struggles really, Yeah. you know, but I built that elasticity through my childhood. And, and granted, there's a lot of things that I went through as a child that I would hope that no child would have to go through. But, you know, if, if you got to go through that stuff, you, you got to figure out a way how to make it valuable to you. Right. So you got to learn the lessons. And so I think my brain elasticity was I'm going to go through really, really hard times or really hard situations. But knowing that I can outlast it. Yeah. Right. The stamina to get through it. And that was the mindset I had when I was at Stanford. My junior year I almost quit, almost left school because I was having a hard time on the football field. I don't want to get into it, but you know, the coach that was there was, we, we just, we didn't get along. Can you at least speak to like, that happens probably more often than not, right? Absolutely. Coaches and players just as, I mean, I feel like when you first get in and maybe it's similar to, um, you know, comedy where it's like when I first started headlining comedy clubs, right? Being the guy where they, they pay you to come out, they put you up, it's your show. Yeah. I was like definitely treading on, you know, didn't want to ruffle feathers. So yeah. I, when I, the first few years of being at clubs, if they added, three guest spots to do 10 minutes a piece before me and that makes the show longer before me I didn't say anything because I'm just like happy to be here yeah, right yeah. there's probably some of that in sports right like when you first get in you're trying to make a mark but we're not yeah I mean you just some of that but I think also just you got you got kids who are coming from all walks of life yeah. right um, and 
you know, there's certain experiences that I had as a child that like if if a certain person comes at me a certain way, I respond a certain way, right? Totally. And that's just that's just that's from childhood trauma. Yeah. And so that's uh there's that part of it. Yeah. Right. Um and I had to learn through that. Uh, but it made me a better person, made me a better man today. And obviously gave me some motivation to get through it to then do well in football overall. Third and nine, and Jackson is in the backfield. Here they come, pass across the middle, and it's caught for the first. It's Baldwin, shaking free and sprinting down the sideline for the touchdown, his third of the day, Doug Baldwin. What you talk about the culture shock of like being in California. Yeah. Had you been to California prior to that? I was there one time, but I was really insulated. I went there for my actually his his uh my my cousin's their uh his mom and dad's wedding. Oh nice. Yeah. Um different experience when you're there for college. For sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> uh camp is huge. Was it I mean, was it a were you pumped to be there for school? It was what the I mean, uh so when you were trying to, you know, go play college football, mm -hmm. were they on the list of places that were like? So they were the only, um, they were only major D1 school to recruit me. Right. Yeah. The other school was Louisiana Lafayette. And I actually wanted to go there because I wanted to stay closer to home. Yeah. But, you know, it was like Stanford. I couldn't pass that up. Come on. You know, so I, I had to do that. And it was a hard decision because I was, you know, my brother was five years old at the time. It's really super close to my family. And so leaving them, going to the other side of the country right and, ne and had never been that far away from them ever it was a really hard thing for me to do but I, I had to do it it is more terrifying than people think anytime you know I went from Seattle to LA which is a couple hour flight still like moving away to go to, to SE for school which still I feel like anybody that moves away to go to college I feel like I got mad props for because that is you're, I mean I don't know about you I didn't know anybody down there yeah, I had a, a second cousin that I kind of saw but like there were no connections yeah. um, did you feel fish out of water like when you got there like, for sure tough for to sure. make friends all that yeah and but my mindset was you know all the other the social stuff the school stuff that'll all take care of itself mm. i gotta go in there and focus on what i know really well and was football mm. right so the day i got dropped off uh before or i shouldn't say the day i got dropped the, the day before i was to go into school and like we were going to start practice and all the things i remember there was a parking lot there was a mall near stanford um and I can't remember exactly the name of the mall now, but um, I went there with my dad. We went in the parking lot and I just, I ran. I was just like sprinting, running, <laughs> yeah, suicides in the parking lot because I had so, ma so much anxiety, right? And my thought process was, I got to be ready for this. So I need to be, you know, I need to be working out. Wow. Yeah. So we... <laughs> we went and got some food went to the parking lot I ran my route my uh my suicides and then yeah what food did you get in the mall the food court what's your mall food no, court go to we, real we quick tangent to, uh, we went to PF Chang's boom yeah love it yeah always solid yeah on the way out as well what what is your mall uh, <laughs> what, what is your mall uh, uh, food court go to mall if you gotta go court go to I'm gonna throw a few options at you we yeah. got Sabaro we got Jamba Juice we got Wetzel's Pretzels we got Panda you gotta do well, Panda for sure. Come on, gotta do Jamba Juice. Um, back to back, secret menu. Like you're washing down your chow mein with an orange dream machine. For sure, for sure. <laughs> um, no white gummy though. Oh, secret yeah. menu. Oh uh, yeah, secret at Jamba. Yeah, Jamba Juice with the secret menu. Who yeah. knew? Yeah. Um, I mean, you strike me as someone that's like, I don't know, dude. Two percent body fat. Six. Always. Six. Fuck, dude. 
I was six in high school. Um, <laughs> a little different now. Uh, did uh, have you always been just like cut and physically, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We 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 yeah. When I say it's in we, the Baldwin it's, family jeans, I mean you guys are fucking coming my, here with triceps and deltoids and my dad got swung calves. My dad and my grandfather were both very very fit, and so they had active lifestyles, and we kind of fell into that. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and you also, I feel like enjoy like when again back to the champions of change hoops game. You you were not getting tired. I did hear you. I watched the clip of you mic'd up a little bit, and you were saying like, "This court's kind of big." And I was like, I'm, "Thank God that some actual athletes share the sentiment." Because I fucking three or four times up and down the court. I remember when I got out there, I was like, "I'm gonna just," and, and you know, Kemp and Peyton, uh, who are our coaches, were like, "Yo, cherry pick, fucking get out there and cherry pick." And Kemp looked right at me. He was like, "Big man, cherry pick." And I was like, "I got you, Ray, man." I got four good up and downs of the court in me, and uh, and once I blew a layup, and Will Conroy never looked at me again. <laughs> Um, but uh, did you feel tired at all out there? It's a different, obviously, than football, like sort of. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I didn't feel tired, but just the size of the court, you know, cause we play at LA Fitness all the time. So yeah. like you turn around and you're on the other side of the court, right? <laughs> yeah. So like the, the thought process of like, okay, what do I have to do? It just, it just took a little bit longer to kind of get adjusted to that size of the field. That's fine. That's fine. I got unlimited fouls. Hey, go sit down before I give you a tech. Tech him up. You heavy, boy. Damn. But I tell my brother and even my my, ne my nephew, my cousin this all the time, like you can be the greatest athlete on the court, on the field, in your arena. But what separates the good ones from the great ones from the elite ones is the stamina. It's consistency, you know? And so I like, I trained that way. I was, during the off season, I ran, and my brother, he actually was there with me sometimes too. I would run sprint every day. We'd run sprints. We'd run two, I forget what they're called, half gassers. Mm the width of the field, you run down and back. We'd run 10 of those, that was your halftime. You get a minute halftime. And you had, there was a certain time we had to make them, right? So I forget what the time was, but you had to run down, back, we had to make it in a certain time. And you had, then you had like five second, four second break in between, and you had to sprint again. 10 of those, once you did 10, we had a, a minute halftime, and then you start doing it again. We did that every day. And the idea was, it's like, look, I can perfect my craft, I can per perfect my hands, I, can, I, I won't drop a pass, I could run the, the the most immaculate route, but if I'm tired, it doesn't matter. And so I trained so that I was never tired. And so, you know, to your point, it, it hits me when you ask me that question because yeah, that's something I take a lot of pride in. I trained really, really hard at that. And even to this day, I kind of train that way. Uh, it's all about stamina. How do you know if what you're doing is the right stuff to prepare you? I mean, is it just all trial and error? You're like, all right, I'm gonna do 20 more half gassers. And then you see in the game like that week, like, oh shit, I'm less tired is it no it's just i mean it's what i right, learned we'll from college <laughs> what i learned from college was yeah, basically yeah. you got to push yourself gotcha. you know and there's a certain there's a certain limit you got to reach right every time not that not to say every time you got to you got to push that boundary yeah. right and so you got to meet it and honestly what it comes down to is self-motivation you have to do it 
you know like nobody else is gonna is gonna push you to do this you have to push yourself to do this um and i said that that's the part that that really gets me fired up and i enjoy like watching when i see guys who are you know it's the fourth quarter of a game and they're the ones that are making the difference whether it's scoring points uh or playing defense or making a game-saving tackle or making that third down catch because everybody else around them is tired and exhausted but they're still moving forward you know that's the difference to me so i i I enjoyed that that chess match of the game which is done well before you step out onto the field or to the court so you can tell when you're on the field who's giving it a little extra and who's phoning it in oh yeah without a doubt every time every time wow and it's pretty like like and is it just i guess maybe in the third and fourth quarters when you start to pick up on is it just even like the way a lineman will be in the huddle approach the line the defense <laughs> yeah it's the way that they talk it's the way that they breathe it's the way that they walk you know even like even when um we would have a, a three and out or a hard offensive you know possession and we come to the sideline and we'd all huddle up to start talking about it like sometimes i wouldn't say anything i would just look around to see okay who who can i count on Wow, you know who's who's breathing heavy or who's still focused and who, whose mindset is still present and ready to go dominate this next rep. That's what I would look for, you know. Um, my boy Jermaine, he was he was at that level with me every time. Curse, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, you know, we we bonded over that. Even when when we go out there and you know the cornerbacks we were facing, we could tell they're getting a little they're getting a little laxed on their hand placement or their steps. And Jermaine and I wouldn't even have to say anything. We'd just look at each other in the eye and say, yeah, it's over. We got him. When you just going to score every time we get the ball? You're going to score every time we get it? Yeah, no. Holy shit. You're always looking for that edge. I'm always. Sure. Always. Yeah, I'm sure like if Russ had walked into the huddle and was like, oh, all right, guys, danger witch on run, on one. You'd be like, all right, he's fucking, he's, he's, he's tired. I don't know that play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know that play. Um, People, I know Hawks fans like are obsessed with you and Sherm's like relationship and backstory. I think that's pretty. Uh, I was doing some deep diving on it. I want to know how much when you guys we got, just we just came from hooping with him for real. Yep, he's a terrible basketball player. <laughs> yeah, well, he was that awful. A, awful. He was he was talking a similar amount of shit at the uh, celeb uh, game. He definitely he's a he's a brick wall. As far as a, a body on the, like, I don't know if For you sure. just bumped He'll into it. play him. hard defense. There it is. Yeah. I went up to uh, try to get a, an offensive rebound and just like bounced off of him. But I'm a, you know, I'm a thick, uh, thick little uh, 206 Jew. And he bounced off me and was like, oh shit. And he like, didn't expect as, as much girth uh, from below the neck. But definitely when I hit him, I was like, oh, you're all muscle. Like that was just truly like, I can't imagine what that's like on the football field with pads. Yeah. Um, first of all, just the Stanford meetup did you guys was it instant friendship i mean just take me through like when you guys first met did you have you guys strike me too as both coming from this having the the kobe mentality by the way work on on and off the field yeah. the way you guys approach the game which i think is why you guys have uh, you know been so incredible um but did you guys what did you bond over i guess right away that awesome. yeah that mindset like i think um so my official visit it was tavita pritchard austin yancey and richard sherman they were like they weren't my, I think Tavita Pritchard was my official uh, host, mm. but I was with Yancey and I was with Sherm and, you know, you could tell I was, I was being me, you know, like I don't, I'm not, I'm not here to party. I'm not here to like mingle, like I'm here to win, <laughs> you know, and they could feel that energy from me. And I think Sherm 
we bonded very quickly because you know he was a receiver at the time and the mindset that i was bringing to the table was just like okay hey you know tell me about the offense you know i it wasn't about like the school like i was going to the school that was we were that was a done we there was no more conversation this yeah. official visit was just a formality right tell me about the offense tell me about the quarterback tell me about the coaches tell me about okay what, what do i need to do to get on the field you know wow. and so i was already jumping to that and i, I think sherm really appreciated that um, the other guys, you know, they were there. They wanted to have a, a fun time. I sure. wasn't. I wasn't there, you know, to to do that. Um, and so Sherman and I bonded over that. And then when we got on the field, you know, it was it was nothing but competition. I'm here to win. And you know, I think it's been well documented even through our our time in, in the NFL. All we cared about was winning. Yeah. You know, we were holding each other accountable to a higher to everybody on the team to a higher standard because I didn't care if you were a first round draft pick. I didn't give a shit. I didn't, care if, I didn't care if he was undrafted. Can you come in here and help this team win? That's all that matters. And if you're a first-round draft pick and you think you're just going to walk in here because you're a first-round draft pick, that ain't going to fly either. You're going to get punched in the mouth. And then we're going to see how you respond to that. You know? And that, I, listen, that's football talk, right? <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a whole different realm. I got three daughters now, so I'm <laughs> trying to be a different man, right? I'm trying to be a better human being for them. Although I will say there's a lot of life lessons that I learned. 1,000. Right? That I can then apply to being a better father for them. That's beautiful, man. What was your th- thought process when you, um, I guess, entered the draft, and then, um, and that was, you know, that was coming. Um, well, I mean, I'll give you context through college. So, Please. you know, like yes, going to Stanford, the hope and the dream was to eventually make it to the NFL, yeah. right? But honestly, that that was so far removed from my mind because I knew I, there was no chance of me getting to the NFL if I didn't take care of business right then and there. So I had to stay as present as I possibly could, right? And there were so many struggles along the way. First and foremost, I'm uh, a black kid from the South going to Stanford University now, oh, yeah. right? So I all of that I had to deal with and I, it wasn't a smooth transition by any means. So I struggled, right, as any kid would. Mm. Um, then I, I So then I struggled in the locker room. I struggled trying to get on the field. I struggled with focusing. I struggled with all of the things that would allow me to play on the football field. So I didn't play. Um, and then even in my, my junior year, I didn't play. So in junior year is a year where you, like, that's when you got to get the film mm. for then scouts to come. And then, then they come back your senior year to see the evolution, right? Um, so I didn't have any of that. You didn't play all of junior year? Nope. I played, I played like three snaps in the bowl game. That Holy shit. Yeah. So yeah. What, where was your mind at that point? <laughs> beautiful question so you know during that time I was struggling so I called my mom and I was like we gotta do whatever we gotta do for me to stay still go here Stanford but I can't play football anymore um, cause I was yeah I was I was done I was at that level I was done um, but there was no way like I was on a football scholarship so if I wasn't playing football I wasn't gonna be able to go mm-hmm. right um, so I, that was a really really hard time but ended up staying obviously and then so at the end of my junior year going into the off season my mindset was fuck it I'm just gonna focus on me Focus on doing what I can. Don't worry about what the coaches say, what they, you know, like none of that bullshit anymore. I'm just going to focus on me and be the best version of me that I can. And I had a good mentor. Uh, he was he's actually the same age as me, Ryan Whalen. Mm-hmm. He was a receiver in our room. Um, and he just had the right mindset. You know, he was just so focused on his craft. And so I just started following him a little bit. And then I took lessons from him and I started playing it, applying it to my own routine you know so I just focused on myself and I said regardless of what happens this next year I'm going to give myself an opportunity if the op- I'm going to I'm going to prepare myself for an opportunity if it arises right the very first game my senior year Chris Uwusu and Ryan Whalen were both injured and so I got the start 
I scored two touchdowns, had over 100 yards, and never looked back. But it was late, right? You know, I tell my brother this all the time, like, you got to make do with what you have while you have it because if you don't sometimes it can be too late you know fortunately enough for me it wasn't too late i didn't get drafted right so i didn't have enough film enough clout to then get drafted but at least somebody was noticing me as an undrafted player so the seattle seahawks which the reason why they were interested is because they were rec- they were studying sherm right wow they drafted sherm i had no idea when sherm got there he was telling them hey you need to look at this guy so then, you know, the the draft was had ended. I didn't get drafted. They called me and said, "Hey, we would, you know, at, after the lockout was ended, yeah. said, "Hey, we would like to bring you in." And it was a, I had to go. Holy shit. Uh wow, so he truly is just a a homie on all fronts. Yeah, that's my brother. Do you, you guys belong in the top 100? Does Doug belong? Oh, Doug definitely belongs. I mean, if he, if if he, they they buried, they missed him on the Pro Bowl, so I'm guessing they'd miss him on the top 100. If, you know, I mean, it's just unfortunate. You talk about the lockout happened. So first of all, entering the draft and then not getting drafted. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, do you again? You feel like to me self assured, strong willed. So is it a all right? That's just another hurdle, or is it like another like okay? That's that's that. No, yeah, it was okay. Well, I guess, I guess I, that's the end of that. So I started looking for jobs. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, I. Uh, so one of my best friends at the Yo, time, Jamba Juice. I know your secret menu real well. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I'd, 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 I'd gained too much weight. Yeah. Um, nah, there. So Dropbox was uh, just coming on the scene at that oh, yeah. time, and I had a friend who was working there, and so I, I interviewed with them, and I basically told the guys like, look, like. I'm going to try to go to the NFL. So when the lockout ends, if I get a call, I'm going to go, but I need something to fall back on. And so the guy told me, and I think it was like their, their, um, it was an executive at the time. I don't want to say it was a CEO, but it's pretty, uh, pretty high up. And basically told me, he's like, once you figure out the NFL thing, then come back. But, you know, and they were a startup at the time. So I understood it. Like they're, you know, they gotta, they gotta be smart with their dollars. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't really have a fallback plan. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, I think it was Will Smith who once said, which I really dug, this is a pre-slap. Um, if you have a plan B, it distracts from the plan A. And I always thought that was dope. Um, that uh, That's crazy that you even had that uh, go through your mind where it was like, all right, let me try to figure something else out if this doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, so you have enough tape. Uh, the lockout, people don't realize too, like, the draft comes and goes and people teams can't talk to you right yep. for another how long it year? was it wasn't until july so i don't i forget when the draft was when when i don't for, i forget when the draft is period yeah, yeah um but it was late july when i got the call and i had to make a, it was a very quick decision i remember um i i just i had like i think i had a day and a half to make the decision because there was two, it was San Diego, or three, there was San Diego, Cleveland Browns, and Seattle. Um, and so I had a day and a half to make the decision, and then I had to pack all my stuff and go. And I remember I packed up my car <laughs> and headed to Seattle. Were you so pumped, though? I was. I you mean, had a, I'm in the NFL playlist, mixed CD, fucking all ready to go? Nah, I, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, it was, it was more so like, I got an opportunity. I can't. I can't let this go. Yeah. You know. So when I got there, I was murdering everybody. Anybody who was in my way, you were just you were in my way. So get out of my way. That was the mindset I had because I I had to make it. 
this was this there was no there was no plan b at this time you know i had to figure it out yeah not making this team and being a part of this organization was not an option right well what was it about so pete and john called you is john actually sent me a handwritten letter basically saying that he thought that i could add value to them on the on in third down right they had uh, i think it was brandon stokely was mm. had just retired um and so they needed somebody to come to come in and fill that void and he thought that i could potentially fill that void and so obviously that gave me motivation that their gm thought highly enough of me fuck yeah right so um that gave me some confidence to go in there and just be myself uh from the get-go yeah. i mean you've talked about this you know we've texted about this just the the you're a big culture guy right yeah. you've i've heard you preach about that before um getting to know you and and obviously the seahawks are i feel like at the top of the heap when it comes to that and setting the tone for just how things uh giving you the best opportunity to be the best you can right yeah was it instantaneous i mean you walked into uh the vmac and, and just being in seattle i guess first impressions also or were you just did you have blinders on because you're like i just need to put on the pads and, and make my mark yeah, it was a combination of all of that i think first and foremost pete made it a very safe environment for you just to be yourself right like he's a he's such a, a warm uh personality and just very disarming that matters right it, it does it matters a At lot the coaching level it matters especially the head coach right if your head coach is setting that precedent and that means you can just feel free to go in there and be yourself and you know people can can nitpick at it because yes it allows folks to to truly be themselves which sometimes you know they they push the boundaries but i think that's a good thing right because you're, you're not only are you stretching the boundaries of you know the framework of 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 the organization you're also stretching everybody in individual boundaries and pushing them to be the best versions of themselves right um that's what i took away the, that was my first impression of pete is just he was just and he but he's a competitor right so I was just for to say i've seen him curse like he's got a, a dark side uh, to him. The, so the first thing i said to him was like um <laughs> I, I think at that point like we were um we were i we were gonna make a bet about USC Stanford. Nice. Yeah, and I was talking shit like, you know, we've been whooping your ass the past few years. Yeah. Um, you're lucky I'm on your team now, right? So like, funny. Th that was like, I remember we were in the training room and that was the first impression I gave to Pete. Like, I'm here to compete, you know? I don't care who you brought in, I don't care who, who you drafted, I'm here. Oh, he loves that, he by loved the way. It. He dude. loved it. Yeah, he loved yeah, you He loved the smile on his face, was, <laughs> I remember that. Um, but no, it, you you have a, a head coach who sets that precedent, and then you have players who come in and make it their own, right? So you had myself and Sherm, like who we were just going to come in and just be ourselves, right? Like it, there was nothing. We're just competitors, so you got to stop me from me being myself, yeah. right? Um, and then you had Cam and Earl um, and Walter Thurman, and you had guys who just, and then Ricardo Lockett, right, who came in with me, and then Tavares Jackson. And I know people always hate on me when I talk about T-Jack, you know, um, God bless his soul, but you know, because they're like, oh, you talk about T-Jack, you don't talk about, listen, I was a rookie. I came in the league and Tavares Jackson was my quarterback, mm. right? That is a, they have a major impact on a young, uh, the quarterback does, has a major impact on a young guy when they come into the league. T-Jack took us all under his wing. You know, he loved on us like he was an older brother. He cooked for us. Oh shit. You know, like he took care of us and he treated us he treated us like, ah, man, I just, I don't even know how to explain it. He loved us, you know? He allowed us to be ourselves. He truly saw who we were as individuals and as young men, right? In that world trying to make it. And he loved on us. And like I owe and 
owe a lot to T-Jack and I just, I, I appreciate him and respect him. And I know, you know, we're not, we, we all have our things when none of us are perfect, but T-Jack was, he was exactly what I needed, you know? And I'm so grateful that I went to Seattle because I met him and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be the receiver that I was without him. And I also wouldn't be the man I am today without, you know, running into Tavares Jackson. He had a major impact on my life. And a lot of a lot of the guys, Ricardo Lockett, Jermaine yeah. Curse, all these guys will say the same thing. So similar to the way that a head coach doesn't need to be like disarming, like you said Pete was, but it's it's invaluable to, to set that uh, tone. To have a quarterback that takes you under his wing isn't like uh, assumed, right? You can be in a situation where the quarterback is, who knows where he's at in his career or how right. he is or how he operates. And maybe it's he just is like, look, I'm going to do my thing on the field. We'll connect as much as we need to, but we're not working out in the off season. You can have those guys, right? They probably exist. Yeah. So for him to do that, set you on the right path. Yeah. T. Jack took care of us. I mean, he we we all went to Minnesota to work out with Larry Fitzgerald. I you know, know him and him and T. Jack were close too. Um, Holy shit. Yeah. T. Jack just he just brought us along. And yeah, to your point, it wasn't T. Jack was at a point in his in his career where. Um, he knew himself mm. you know he wasn't trying to be something more than what he was he was just trying to be T-Jack and it we we all felt that and we it was really safe and comforting to be around right because we didn't feel like we had to be part of anything else around him it was just we were just hanging out with T-Jack do you think it's almost better to have somebody who's not that accomplished so that they are more relatable um, do you know what I'm saying yeah I mean yeah definitely but uh, I don't know if it's that part. It's just, it's who the individual is. Okay, right? gotcha. Like, yeah. um, I worked out with Sam Bradford before, and Sam that was before Sam got drafted. And, you know, Sam's- He's it a beast. Was, it was a highly touted, you know, but he was such a down-to-earth, cool dude. Mm. You know, I loved working out with him. Um, I, and I've met several guys who you would assume, because of all of, all of the things that they have around them, that they would be, you know- whatever you would expect for them to be because yeah, of that yeah. right but they're not they're just down to earth people and i culture wise like as you said like culture really matters to me that matters in culture right if you have a guy who is just part of the rest of the team even though he's a superstar it brings everybody else along but if you have guys who kind of separate themselves and they make it more individualized that that obviously that's a negative impact on the team yeah. right um and so that that definitely matters and I'm really fortunate that I had T-Jack at the beginning because I, you know I, I could have went to other places and I don't know what those other quarterbacks would have been but yeah. T-Jack was that guy he was a really really good dude for all of us you know I'm, I, I'm gonna say this Pete and John they do a really good job at drafting folks when they focus on their principles right and John's probably gonna get mad at me when I say this <laughs> but when they get off of their principles, mm. you know, they get caught. And sometimes, it, it, and I think that's just the nature of the business, right? Like, it's the makeup of the team that you currently have, so you're trying to fit these pieces into place, but really it's like, you gotta come back to your principles. When they focused on their principles, they draft really, really well, you know? Break that down for me. Um, man, uh, I, guys who fit the culture. Mm. You know, not necessarily the greatest athlete, not necessarily the, the guy who has all the best stats, but the guys who fit the culture, right? Because the guys who fit the culture, you know, they may not be, so, you know, you, you take a, um, I don't know, you take a guy who played cornerback for one year, right, in Sherm. Yeah. And you see that he's going to bring some tenacity to your culture, which then also is kind of defense you're trying to build. And so you draft him. You take a flyer on him in the fifth round, right? 
and then he goes out there and he's everything that you expect him to be and then he dominates his his side of the field right it's those kind of guys when they get to those and they and they did it this year too right and i i i, I think i tweeted it i yeah. really liked this draft class because yeah. if you looked up and down the board first and foremost they were all good guys right like yes they you know some guys have their things but at at the core of them they're all good human beings mm. right and then they also have the tenacity. They, a lot of them were kind of under-touted. They're not highly touted. They're not, you know, they didn't have all the stuff that comes with them. So they wanted to prove themselves. Mm. You throw that into a mix of with Tyler Lockett, you know, um, I, I, I can't even think of the guy's names now, Quandre Diggs. You know, you throw that <laughs> in that mix, you start making some stuff. And I know they knew that, right? They had a plan, obviously, before they even went to the draft of what was going to play out. Um, but I, I liked this. I liked that they got what it seemed like to me that they got back to their principles, and you're seeing it play out, right? Everybody expected this to be kind of an off year, yeah, right. But I think all of us who saw it for what they were doing and what they were building, they were getting, they were bringing that culture back. And it doesn't matter how talented you could have the best player on the field, but if you don't have the culture and the guys around to build that, it doesn't matter. They didn't have that. You know, argue you could argue that they didn't have the best players in the world, right? but they had the culture and they had the dynamic that was gonna go out there and gonna compete every game and that's all that matters. You just give yourself an opportunity and you see that every game that they play in. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yeah, I've heard from you, uh, Cliff, um, obviously KJ, about uh, that everybody else, I mean, and, and obviously Pete and, and in the locker room and in the organization, did not think this was going to be a reset year. No. Which is so crazy because so many people did and to see so many I think somebody made some montage of um, some ESPN analyst or, or maybe it was a bunch that were just like this is you know it's over they're you know they're trading rust it's there goes the season mm-hmm. there goes probably the Pete's gonna have to you know just you know retire early halfway through the season and leave because it's gonna be so bad and like how are they gonna fix this it's like it was overwhelming Yeah, which is why it's so to me it just speaks to the idea that like at the end of the day you know, nobody fucking knows. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like, unless the guys who are controlling what they can control are all, you know, I'm sure there was a similar sentiment uh, in the locker room with you guys in 2011, 2012, even of yeah, just people like, people didn't think that we were, yeah, they, we, they didn't think we were anything. And we took that to heart, right? Like I shouldn't say we took it to heart, but we, we heard it. I was just going to ask how much are you guys paying attention to that stuff? More so the negative stuff, right? Like, and when I say the negative stuff, like, to fuel the fire. Yeah, to yeah. fuel the fire. So, and and I love that. Everybody counted us out. Y'all didn't believe in us. A whole bunch of people thought we weren't going to make it, right? We were six and four. Oh, it's okay. They got a winning record, but they're not going to go to the playoffs. Remember that? And what we do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We come out yeah, yeah. and we do what we do. We play Seahawks football. We got an opportunity to do what we love. 
and we'll see you on the Super Bowl. I play basketball, and I'm I'm good. I, I I'm I'm not I'm not the I should say like I'm I'm good in sense of like I'm good. I'm just here to play b basketball. I want to win. We're gonna do what's necessary to win, right? Yeah. But. Once you start talking shit to me, then it just turns into a whole nother level. Like <laughs> you're not going to score, and I'm going to shut you down on defense. Right? I'm just going to murder you on defense. Yeah. Um, that's that. You did this. You did say that to me before I even introduced myself at the celebrity game. So don't thought, guard me. I said that was a little. Uh, yeah, that was a little intense. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm Adam, by the way. You're like, I don't care. <laughs> no, you didn't say. Um, but that was the mindset that we had, right? And yeah. so when you, and it's you can see that in under other individuals, right? And I really like what they're building on the defensive side of the ball. And so, and I'm, as even as an offensive player, I always say this, defense wins championships. Mm. You know, you gotta have the defense. And I like what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball. And then you throw in a guy like Gino, who's coming in is just like, I'm just gonna be me. And slanging the rock. Is it crazy right? to see what he's doing or no? Not really, honestly, not really. Um, I mean, Tyler Tyler had said something to me last year. He's like, yeah, Gino's really like, Gino's really comfortable. You know, he's really comfortable in the pocket. He knows the game plan. He like, he just, he had this level of confidence in him that Tyler was telling me about. And I, I you know, I, I didn't know anything about Gino, but I had texted him here and there on the side. And I just remember the first game of the season when I was in the locker room, I saw him and like, we made the, you know, it was like, hey, what's up, man? Good to see you again. And I told him, I said, just be yourself. Cause that's good enough. You know? Blitz, Homer, pick it up briefly, and Smith flips, wide open caught, Disley, touchdown, what a start. And it, was, it wasn't anything special, it's just like everybody else is telling me that this guy's good enough, and so just reminding him, like, you don't have to do anything special other than just be yourself. And if you be yourself, you got Tyler, you got DK, you got this offensive line that's hungry, and you got a defense that they're building, that, and I know what defense they're building, so just be yourself. Whoa. You ain't gotta be nothing else, you know? And you could just see it, and it's a, it's a special, I, I missed that part of it. Yeah. I don't miss going out there and getting hit. <laughs> I don't miss my you body hurting. Licks, I did, I did. I mean. But I missed that culture. Yeah. Four. Hey! Do the Rams keep going? Now that their game's gonna mean a lot. Wilson's got space. You got nobody downfield though. Making it up. Cue the circus music. Wilson throwing for Baldwin. Oh my goodness, he caught it! And there goes Baldwin down the sideline. Vintage Seahawk play. Baldwin out of bounds inside the five. Unbelievable stuff. Stop it. What were the practices like? I'm sure, like, I mean, just you and Sherm going against each other, and obviously, like, famously, like, there's. Uh, you know, I just from all the footage I've seen and and um, and you know, hearing some of the I guess scuffles or fights that would come out of them. I mean, it was like, and, and then I would hear Pete talk about you know the way that you're truly treating this shit as championship football and the practices. I think with guys like you and Sherman and uh, you know Earl and Cam, just the D, and then um, you know just, everybody just as hungry on offense. You couldn't not uh, have that type of a. a clash like that i mean yeah. and it's what made you guys so so prepared right my my therapist told me this. she said conflict is the price of something deeper you know and i think that's what it was because we all loved each other like brothers mm. we didn't we didn't it's not that we disliked each other you know but when you stepped on the field this was the standard and if you didn't meet the standard there was a problem and it was it wasn't necessarily like if you didn't meet the standard it was basically <laughs> saying that you didn't care about the other guys around you right you know and that's not okay 
we're about winning and that means I need you to do your job. If you don't do your job, then I can't do my job. And if, if I can't do my job, then I can't put food on the table. So you're not allowing me to put food on my table for my family. Whoa. You know? So that was the level of accountability that we had. And yeah, did we push the boundaries of that? Absolutely. But when you're in a family, you're going to have fights, totally. right? And it's not about the fights. It's about how do you come back around after those fights? And we always galvanized even stronger after those fights because it was like, I'm pushing your buttons because I need you to be better. I need you to be better. And, you know, the thing that I love about Pete and John and the, also, the thing that I also hate, uh, that I didn't actually say hate, that pissed me off about them yeah. is they were the same way, you know? They, they, were, they were competitive in, in a different sense. They tried to make everything work until they couldn't. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. They tried to do everything they could to make it work until they couldn't. And, you know, us on the other side of it is like, nah, this shit ain't working. It needs to be fixed right now because I only have a limited time in this NFL yeah. before I got to go. So you got to make this shit right, you know? Um, but I love the fact for them that they, they were competitive and trying to make it work every time as long as they could until they couldn't. And they gave us the free reign to push it and, you know, to push guys and, you know, to make it our own. Well, and What were those battles with you and Sherman like? Sherm held me every every practice. <laughs> Sherm no. Like Sherman like man, what they what they should do is they should go back and they should they should they should compile all of our one-on-ones <laughs> and they should release it. Oh shit. I wish they on would do that. On his podcast. I, I would love that. Let him do DVD commentary I would, on. I it. would love that. Sherm, where are you? There's my Sherm cam. Sherm, let's go, dude. Sherm and I battle we'll the footage. every day. And uh, you know, at that time it was like I was I was the leader in the, the receiver's room. He was a leader in the defensive back room. So we were the guys who were setting the tone. Oh, man. And so we had to practice at that level every day. And we did. And, you know, there's a lot of times I would beat Sherm. There's a lot of times he would beat me. But every day it was a battle. And we set the tone. So that was the standard. So, you know, Sherm and I go. We're battling. We're fighting each other. The next two guys, you have to do the same thing. Mm. And if you didn't do the same thing, why are you not doing the same thing? We're out here trying to get better because we're trying to win. We're rolling, we're rolling. Every, every day you should feel the energy, even in stretch, the early part of practice. Uh, we're trying to set the tone for the day, so you should see the coaches working really hard, trying to juice guys up, players doing the same. Uh, you got to have that energy. you got to have that smoke out here, so you should see it right off the bat. If you're here at our practice, you'd recognize that our guys always tap in. That means they hit the I'm in sign. Uh, that's to start their whole process for the day's work. Uh, when they tap that sign, they're making an affirmation and if there's, they say I'm in as they hit it. It's a positive statement about what they intend to do and they're coming out here to give everything they got, hold nothing back. The whole world that may be troubling them or whatever is left to the, to the side now and it's just about practicing football our way and uh, it's a, I think it's a big deal and something our guys are really good at doing and, and uh, I love it. You set that standard and you set that precedent and to Pete's um, credit he allowed us to do that you know he really allowed us to make it as ag as aggressive as we possibly could and obviously it, it was uh, beneficial for us how fun was it to watch that defense like come together and uh, on the flip side I guess just when the team started I guess 2012 I feel like is when the just the run and the chapter next chapter of Seahawks football was yeah. being written um, watching that come together just because Again, like you have the inside track, you're at practices, you're getting to know these guys, you know who they are off the field and how it's translating on the field. Yeah, Seeing that just like build, you're like, oh, I'm about to watch and be a part of, you know, one of the greatest defenses of all time. It was special. It was so special. And, you know, you guys got to see it in the games, but I got to see it every day in practice, you know, and that was special. I would, com we, 
Earl and I would compete every day. Sherman and I would compete every day. You know, Cam would be doing his thing with the the linebackers and um, and the D line, and like there was just there was such a level of confidence. Um, I think the only analogy I can give you. So I, the other night, I'm watching my my two oldest daughters. They're in, they're sleeping in the same room together, and you know it's bedtime, but they're still awake, and so they're like they're playing and. My youngest, she's laying on her bed and my oldest is coming over and like she's reading her book, right? And my wife and I were talking about like the level of, of safety and confidence that they're gonna grow up with because they have each other, right? Mm. Like my brother, we're 13 years apart, so I didn't really get that, right? But I'm watching them grow up and it's just like my, my daughters, they're gonna just, they're gonna have a level of confidence that I don't know about just because they have each other, right? When they go to school together, if some girl's picking on- Got backup. Yeah, she's got backup, (laughs) you know? There's just a level of confidence. That was the level of confidence that we had going onto that field every time, you know? I I mean, obviously I, I, I would go in and thinking like the cornerback who's covering me, they don't have a chance. But even if our offense is not able to sustain drives or to put up points, I know my defense is gonna is gonna destroy the opposing offense. Yeah. And it's just a level of confidence that you walk into that I don't know. That it's just it's just a different level of confidence. And they knew that too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and you could tell by the way we celebrated each other's wins, mm. right, on the sideline. When we would score or make a big play, the defense is jumping up and down, right? When Sherman would pick off the ball, I'd be the first one on the field yeah. celebrating with him. You know, it was just a, it was the, it was culture. It was the it was the winning culture that, aside from everything else, that's what I missed the most. Would Cam and Earl hit people in practice the the way they would in games? I would venture to assume you got to pull back a little. <laughs> Cam wouldn't because Cam would, you know, Cam would really hurt somebody if he did. Bro. Um, I mean, and, I mean, all of them would. But, you know, there was there was times. Um, so Brian Walters. Yeah. Right. And again, our culture was when we practiced, we were really practicing, you know, and nothing highlighted that more than pro- the first Super Bowl. We're practicing. It's literally a couple days before the game, and our practices are. We're going full speed. Get the fuck out! Of and here. it's just, and you know, Pete's having to tell us to slow down, but like, that was just the way we practiced. And also, that level of preparation, we knew going into the game that we were going to win. There was just serious. Yeah, there was just. Um, you need to talk to Cam Chancellor about it, please, because Cam and I first, first and foremost, Cam I asked was he's not ready to do podcasts yet. Uh, well, that, that may be true, <laughs> yeah. but at, whenever he is ready, okay, you got to talk to him yeah, about yeah, yeah. it. But the practice, the level of practice, right? It was just at a different level. And then I remember, and Cam and I talk about this all the time. We were in, at the breakfast before the game, mm. and we're watching it, ESPN had their show on, and it's you know I still have the picture. It's all the analysts, and they're like choosing who's going to win the game, and there was five of them. They put the little logo up right below them. Right. Yeah. Four of them picked the Broncos. Wow. I, I'm going to go with Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. And as good as Seattle is on the defensive side, and they have three Pro Bowl players over there in the secondary, but what Peyton Manning does and what this offense does is they put four and five wide receivers out there. They're all as good as any one of them. Uh, Demarius Thomas, I think, is an incredibly special player on the outside and ultimately will make some plays, but it is the depth at receiver that's going to win this football game. Ray Lewis was the only one who picked us. Let's go. Right? Yeah. And I remember we looked at, as they were clicking, as they were saying it, Cam and I looked, we were sitting next to each other eating breakfast. We looked at each other, didn't say anything. Cam just like nodded his head. He got up, he walked away. I stood there and I was just like, 
we're going to murder these guys. <laughs> no way. Yeah. They are blowing the roof off this place in New Jersey. Don't worry, it's coming. Just stay there, it's coming. Let's be smart. Let's play great football. Let's finish the year off right. We'll play the time now, okay? Hey, it makes you hold on to that ball. Receivers keep cutting and away. Get first down. Wilson out of the shotgun. The snap, the throw. The ball caught by ball. But makes one man miss. Dives underneath, he's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, so good. So good. it was because of the level of 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 how we practice and so yes every day um there was a battle and so brian walters one one time and again you got to think like all of our receivers everybody in that receivers room when we stepped out at practice your job was to make the defensive back in front of you look bad because you're trying to make him better right but you're trying to make him look bad so whether it was myself jermaine curse ricardo lockett brian walters Mm -hmm. it didn't matter go out there and make them look bad Brian made Earl look bad a couple times. Oops. Earl didn't like that. <laughs> Earl didn't like that. You don't you know? say. And, and, and Brian, like, you know, Brian is like, he's the sweetest guy. Oh, he was guy. a champion. He's a change game, too. He's got uh, some. B. Walters, that's my boy. Yeah. He's one of the nicest people on the Shit. planet. But, you know, he'll talk trash to you when, he, when he's with his boys. Good. Right? Yeah, he's, he's with his boys. Yeah. And so he's talking trash to Earl. He oh, let fuck. Earl know it. And Earl didn't like that. And so <laughs> Earl, you know, I... Earl did a cheap shot. I'll I'll say what it was. Earl yeah. did a cheap shot, and you know, unfortunately, B. Wall got hurt, and it, it was a fight. It was a fight. You know, yeah, you hit my boy. We're, we're going at you. Oh, shit. But it was it was. If I'm being honest, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, of course, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It's like food fight in the cafeteria. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're all trying to make each other better, yeah. and um, Earl and B. Wall, like they they had their rivalry going on, right? Um, but it made all of us better. It made all of us better. Also, probably exciting to go out to practice knowing that you get to watch an in-house rivalry. I don't know. It just, yeah. right? Doesn't that yeah. elevate just the excitement of Every day. You practice had, that can get mundane? You, you had to bring your lunch pail to work. You had to show up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would Pete uh, be as fired up for practice as he is on games? I mean, it's like you can't, you know, force, uh, replace, or even try to like fake what he, the enthusiasm I feel like he yeah, has. He, it's real. Pete loved it. Pete absolutely loved the way we practiced, but he had to kind of push it back because we were getting in trouble. You know, we he, we got fined twice. I think they, they had even said like if if the next time we had a fight on the field that they were going to take a draft pick away. So then then we really had yeah it was I mean, but we were we were pushing the boundaries yeah. Um, so we had to we had to kind of nip that in the bud as much as we could, but you know we were still fiery about it. Twenty twelve, an insane finish of the season. I'm assuming just because I know how I felt at the sports bar um, and how uh, I was crying in front of a lot of other grown men and beautiful women and felt um, felt very uh, not let down, but just bummed because bummed, but immediately excited. I don't know. If, I don't know how you guys felt, but it was just like, oh, man, like 
this we're right there yeah so the next season can't come fast enough 13 seconds left 49 yards away from Matt Bryant from the right hand good snap good hold in this league what a comeback what a game and as I said it would have been one thing to run them out of the house but boy I tell you what to bring it back this way now we still got eight six seconds on the board you know just from playing sports I know you know being a fan watching is one sort of hurt but being on the field I mean it's like I don't know if you stayed on the field for a minute if it was you know right back to the locker room and let's like let's get home and get get after it um but also, it's like the the kind of run that you guys went on. It wasn't like you said, like supposed to. You know, you weren't really picked to do that. Yeah. So, is there a little bit of like, oh, we were playing with house money anyway? I think we were just at, we had a, such a level of confidence in that last part of the year that we knew we we could feel the momentum. We knew something was brewing, right? But we also knew that there was a lot of lessons that we had to learn. So I remember immediately getting back on the plane and like we were just we started looking at the film, not just the film from that game, from the whole season. Mm. And I also remember so coming into that my second year, I did way too much in the off season. I didn't give my body enough time to rest and recover. And so I came into the second year, I was dealing with a whole bunch of injuries, right? Um, and so that was when I started putting together on the plane ride back. I started putting together a plan, uh, plan of like, okay, what is this off season going to look like, right? Like, when am I? How much time am I going to take off? Where am I going? What am I going to do? All the things that I then became that then that then became my routine for the rest of my career, right? Um, but I think all of us had that that mindset, that mentality. What is the next thing? What's the next level of this? Because we could we could all feel it, you know. Um, and then obviously that next year was it, it is what it what we said it yeah, was. It was bonkers from the get go. I feel like yeah. Um, you uh, you talked about you and T Jack kind of uh, finding your groove. How quick did it happen? Obviously, like you know your um, what twenty sixteen season. I mean ninety four receptions, eleven twenty eight yards, seven TDs, and then I think in twenty fifteen it was fourteen TDs, right? Mm-hmm. And the year I have the stat actually before you went twenty fourteen it was eight hundred twenty five yards and three touchdowns. Twenty fifteen, ten sixty nine, fourteen TDs and twenty sixteen, eleven, twenty eight, seventeen. What changes from three to fourteen? Is it truly you and Rust figuring it out? Is it like cause that's I think what most fans fail to recognize is that like, you know, the um the chemistry that it's not instantaneous all the time and you've got to like, I don't know how you guys go about figuring it out. Um, Can you just speak to like you and Russ trying to get on the same page? Yeah, I think it was just, um, it it was both of us kind of maturing, right? So I I was coming into my own as a receiver and really understanding the game from the the, the chess level, right? Um, Because I had always just done it from, you know, just being a good athlete. But now I'm like, I'm studying the game and I'm knowing, okay, I don't don't necessarily have to run full speed here. I can just get open and then I can use my full speed after the catch. And so those were the the subtle differences that I was 
now kind of perfecting, right? Um, and I think Russ was doing the same thing and we were just on the same page and just, I mean, I would like to think that it was, uh, you know, really good on our part, but yeah. I, just, I feel like a lot of times just the ball just bounced our way, the right way, you know? But that being said, because we prepared at such an incredible level, we were prepared for those opportunities, mm. right? So when he would break out of the, the huddle be, or break out of the pocket because he had to scramble, like because of the, the film work that we did, because of the route work that we did, we were able to make a lot of great connections outside of the normal play because we were just on the same page. Mm. And so all that prep work prior to even stepping on the field, that prepared us for those opportunities. Uh, so yeah, it was it was really, really dope. It was, you know, it was, um, I know people talk about flow state all the time. Yeah. Um, those two years, I was definitely in flow state more than I had ever been in my career in, in football. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You definitely played bigger in like the middle of the field and your route running to me is like, I don't know, man, like bonkers. I don't know how much, you know, you worked on that. I put versus- my route running up against anybody that's ever played. Thank you. There's Wilson. Steps up. Firing deep. He's got a man. for Seattle as he beat Brandon Williams on the coverage and mark it down at the 29 it's a gain of 31. Russell Wilson always has a sense for when his team needs him. Doug Baldwin he beats Brandon Williams at the line of scrimmage with that release. Russell Wilson drops a dime in there for Doug Baldwin. Little momentum for the Seattle Seahawks. Baldwin's had a nice half. And, and, I, and I mean that humbly. <laughs> I've worked really, really hard at it, you know? You hear that, and Dion I've, and Chris and Carter? I've studied, I've st- I studied I, you know, honestly, I studied Chris Carter. I studied even Dion as a defender, right? Yeah. Like, how do you, Dion is being one of the best defenders, how do you beat one of the best defenders, right? I studied Dion a lot before I even went to go play Revis in the second Super Bowl. No way. And if I'm being honest, I, I did really well against Revis. I didn't get the ball thrown my way, but I was really proud of the work that I put up, the film that I put up against Revis because that was, you know, that's one of the greats of our time, you know? So that was what I had. Obviously, he wasn't at the peak of his performance, but he still had all the knowledge of how to be a great cornerback at that time. And I went up against one of the greats of our time and I did really, really well. So I was really proud of that. Do you feel how impressive it is what you're doing when you're doing it? Like I've seen... Uh, highlights where you're doing like nine moves in one route before you even make a break like down the sideline to get the ball and I'm like is that just all muscle memory and second nature at that point and instincts because like I'm watching I'm like fuck dude and obviously like you know I'm watching with no uh, you know comparison for the ability but uh, because for me it was just fucking all right, everybody go deep but you're doing like 50 different things and your feet are just and then a spin and I'm like do you how much of that is calculated, I guess, in the moment versus just reacting? Uh, well, a lot of it is the prep work before, yeah. right? So obviously we practice, I know what play you're talking about against Green Bay. Yeah. Yeah. We practice that route every week, right? So even before even before that game, we practice it in other weeks. And so you just, you, you know what you're trying to accomplish with that route, right? But then it comes in the, the film work. So that specific defensive back, I can't remember his name right now, but he was a young dude. He was actually, he was doing really, really well. Um, but his, his feet, like they weren't, he, he didn't have sound footwork just yet because he was still young, right? And so I knew that if I could get him to turn his hips a certain way, I could get him to turn around and then it would be done, right? Um, and so I, we actually, when we came to the sideline and we were thinking about which play to run, 
uh, I remember um, the coach, he asked me, he's like, do you think, do you, how does this feel to you? I was yeah. like, yeah, let's run it. I got it. Let's get it. Uh, and it worked out, right? But to your point, it's a lot of prep work before that. And that's weeks and weeks and weeks, months of work, but then also the film study. I got to know my opponent just as much as I know myself, you know? And I tell my brother this all the time, like what, I think what separated me, you know, obviously I wasn't the biggest, strongest or the fastest guy in the field, but what made me a viable option every time we ran a route is because I knew the guy across from me, I knew him probably better than he knew himself. Russell Wilson with time in the area of Baldwin, who made the catch, did he stay in bounds? Yes. Wow, between two Jacksonville defenders. Not only did I study the film of him on the field, I listened to his interviews, right? Because I wanted to know what kind of a person he was. So how could I talk shit to him? How do I get into his head? And when he's doing well, what do I do to get him off of it? How do I shift his focus to something else? That like the psychology behind it, I really, really enjoyed that part of it. And I feel like that added to my game because I would step on the field. And even if a guy was doing well against me, I knew I had something in my back pocket to beat him, to then shift his confidence. And then once I, once I owned not only him as, as the football player, the physical world, but also the mental, then it was, then it was, I could just do whatever I wanted. So you're just dropping little nuts. Like you'll be lined up and you'll be like, I know you're a sucker for a vegan bolognese. He's like, who told you? You're like, fucking take off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> no, so like- That's crazy, dude. It, it, my boy, he'll, he'll, he's going to get mad at me for saying this, but Patrick Peterson, for yeah, example, yeah. right? Pat P was, he, he is such a phenomenal athlete that he would, when he was tired or when he felt like, you know, he was- you know, n not dominating the matchup, he would just fall back on his athleticism, which is a trap because I can beat your athleticism if I know what you're going to do, Yeah. right? And so there was a, sp I, it was a home game and I remember I was, t I was tired, I'll be admitted, I was tired. We were both tired, um, but I could, I could feel he was just gonna fall back onto his athleticism and his athleticism was he was gonna do a lazy kick in the inside, shoot with his inside arm, right? And I wasn't going to be able to beat him foot for foot. He's, he's faster than me, he's, he's a better athlete than me. So what I needed to do is I needed to keep him close to me, right? And then allow him to think that he had me and at the last minute break apart to get the ball, wow. right? That was my only chance. And so when he shot his arm, I gave it to him. And I remember when he, when he did it, I was like, oh, this, this may actually work. I was, as I'm running the route, I'm like, oh shit, this is gonna work. <laughs> And so he got close to me and like I'm we're battling and you know again he's bigger he's stronger than me so I'm kind of acting like I'm going to battle with him and but trying to keep his eyes on me. And so when I feel when I, and I'm I'm like looking at him but my peripherals really I'm trying to f see the ball over yeah. here. When the ball goes up in the air, then I know how much time I have to react to get him to move so that I can get space to catch the ball. And I remember I saw the ball go up I gave him one jab and kind of like pushed off a little bit and that's when he looked back and then that's when I separated and I was able to catch the ball, right? But it was that split second that I was able to make that decision. But that again, that is like, I studied, I played him twice a year, right? So I got to study Pat P all the time. And he, listen, I love Patrick Peterson. He's, he's one of my favorite players ever to have ever gone up against. I, I loved playing against him because it was so such a challenge. Yeah. Um, but I just, I remember that specific moment, like, you know, it was all of the things that I thought I knew about this sport. I was able to show that in one specific route. That's it was incredible. Dope.
when you're about to catch the ball, like let's say the uh, the um, freezing game in Minnesota against mm-hmm. the Vikings, you got that one hander. Is there's I can't help but believe that like even you as a professional in the moment is like fuck yeah, dude, right? Like or is it, or is it just like back to business? Like you're like yeah, dude, I needed to get the ball. I only had one hand free, and so that's what I did. Third down and ten. Four-man rush, pressure put on, and a one-handed grab by Doug Baldwin. Sensational catch. That was awesome. Watch this catch. On third down and ten, you don't know if you're going to get drilled in the back. You don't know what's going to happen. He comes down and keeps that drive alive. Pete Carroll wants to convert some third downs. I was in flow state during that game. And it's not to my credit. I'm not taking credit for getting in the flow state. It was so cold that you had no, the only way that I was going to be able to perform was that I had to go to a different realm in order to to be focused and present in this game. It was so cold. It almost felt illegal that you guys were out there. I was, uh, yes. It was, I, we were all so mad <laughs> you how were. cold it was. Yeah. It was so cold. And so honestly, like this was my routine. We'd go out there, we'd run the plays, I'd go to the sideline, I'd be in front of the heater. And I'm just, and I'm not thinking about anything else other than just trying to warm up because it's so cold. Right. And then defense would do their thing. It's our time to go back out. So I'd run back out on the field. It's just, and that was, that was all I could do. I couldn't think of anything else. And so, yes, in that moment when I caught the ball, there's actually, there's film of me getting up like it was nothing. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't even, mm. it wasn't registering to me. Right. Because I was just doing what I had to do in that moment to make the play. And now let's get to the next play. And, yeah, I mean, I remember Captain Munderlin came up to me. He goes, "That's a hell of a catch," and I was like, "What? What'd you say?" Oh, thanks. Next play, you know, because my mind, my mind wasn't. I wasn't thinking about that. I was in flow state because it was so cold. Does even running around warm you up, or is it just uh... it, no? It was so cold. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. so cold. Fuck, dude. It was so cold. Yeah, Pete was chewing his gum a little extra fast that it, day it was, just to try to was, get some. It blood was flow. so cold. <laughs> I never want to experience that ever again. Um, experience. Uh, like playing at uh, Seattle, every player talks about it. Can you just like speak to that uh, a little bit about maybe the first time you even ran on the field um, to, uh, to to like, you know, the NFC uh, championship game, the, the vibe, is it as crazy as people talk? I've talked to a handful of players, um, both that are Hawks and, and not, and they're just like, yeah, dude, it's like, I can't even explain it to you unless you like have been in our position. It's yeah. I, that, yeah, I can't explain it to you. Mm. The 12 flag was sort of in conjunction honoring the 12s. The jersey was already hanging up there representing them. But the 12 flag was one more way for us to get fans really excited about Seahawks football. Down down the buildings, you know, are Seahawks colors. You see all the, the, the wide range of different individuals that they bring up there. And it's always, you know, people that either make an impact in the community, an impact on the team, impact in the city. And it's just a way to kind of fire up, get the fans uh, even more rabid than they probably already are uh, for that opening kickoff. When that thing goes up and the 12s actually see it go up, that's probably one of the loudest moments of the game. Paul, rest his soul, uh, was the architect of all of that. All that we have here, it was his vision. And uh, he was a perfect person to raise that 12 flag. That's the one that that, uh, sticks in my mind. The amount of energy and electricity in that stadium, especially when the team is doing well, right? When you come out, the introductions, like even when, when the opposing offense is on the field, 
right and the crowd like oh man it's a it, it is a special environment it's a special environment and i think honestly what i think it is is because like this is the the weather that we're in mm. right people are kind of there's they're storing up this energy yeah dude right and so when they get out there for that game regardless of the weather that is their opportunity to kind of let all that energy out yeah and it is a special environment and i can't i can't explain it any other way uh nfc championship game 2013 fucking bonkers i mean like that whole game to me is like you could put that one it's just as classic to me as the uh, 2014 one I mean that one's just feels like it's yeah. You're talking about you saying <clears throat> the San Francisco yes. one. Yes, that one. That's going to go down as one of the greatest games in NFL history. Yeah. Here the 49ers have driven it down on the arm of Colin Kaepernick with a chance to take the lead. Kaepernick end zone Crabtree. Was your catch on the um, the fourth down when they had the free player? No, um, no, that real big one towards the end. No, that, no. that was Jermaine. That was Jermaine. Yeah. yeah, I was actually in the way. I was, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm very grateful that Jermaine is as good as a receiver as he has always been, uh, because I was in the way, and so I'm so glad he had the concentration to make that catch, and score that that touchdown because I was I was in the wrong place. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Had no clue. I don't think anybody did. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, wait, real quick. What did you say to him? I'm sure people ask you this in twenty after um, the 2014 uh, when he made the catch against uh, Green Bay yeah. and you guys were both in the end zone I mean this, I always love this about you too um, and I wanted to tell you like just your fucking passion dude and like how into every moment I feel like you are and I love like you and Sherm talking to the camera and like what you guys do and defending your teammates and defending the city and your team I fucking love that dude I wish I mean, I think there's an appropriate amount of people on each team, but it's like not every team has those guys. And sometimes they have the guys that are doing them where you're like, oh, you should, probably shouldn't be talking at all, really, let alone for your team and your city. But you guys were articulate. You had the right amount of passion in your eyes. It did, never came off like dickish or or violent or like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even with Sherm at the end of the, uh, to Aaron Andrews. I mean, that shit was unbelievable. And, uh, and also I kept defending him. I'm like, these guys are like, what you guys are building yourself up to and the adrenaline and then that, yeah. the fact that Sherm, you know, and I know he's a, a well-spoken dude and and, and not going to go off the rails, but like, dude, if that was me, I would have dropped so many F-bombs. <laughs> I would have fucking probably grabbed the camera and shake. Like, the fact that he was even, had brought his energy to a place to where he could just 
stand and talk like yeah. let's celebrate that for a minute yeah. after for sure but, but when you were screaming at jermaine after that catch do you remember what and you don't have to share if it's private but. well it it was that was a it was a much built up situation because um in that game you know there was jermaine was on the the bad end of you know some a couple of interceptions right right um and i know like regardless of how resilient we are in the moment it it impacts you right and we were all feeling it you were and i think i had a fumble on a kickoff return and i also dropped a third down pass which was going to be it was wide open and so we were just feeling it at what point do you go it's not our day never say that never okay. never say cool. that Good answer. it's always my day okay. Love <laughs> yeah. that. no if i miss 10 in a row look out <laughs> whoa because I'm I'm going to hit that 11th one. And when I hit that 11th one, it's over. It's just a, it's a waterfall from there. Um, so we were feeling it at that moment, but we also, we, I remember we came out of the half at, at a halftime. I remember Jermaine said this. He said, it, our time's coming, you know, we got to be ready for it. And Jermaine always used to say, find a way to find a way. And I, like I, he was at my house yesterday and we were just, I forget what we were talking about. We were just talking about life and we were saying, find a way to find a way. And I remember in that moment, at the ha at halftime, coming out of the out of the tunnel, find a way to find a way. And I remember we, you know, there was a situation where um, it was third down. We need it was right before the touchdown, mm. right before his touchdown. We it was we had to convert this third down, and it's crazy because the whole game the defender was playing me a certain way, and I thought like in this route I was like, okay, I'm not getting the ball because yeah. the defenders he's the coverage was I'm not getting the ball. Yeah. But for whatever reason, he switched his position. And I got so excited. <laughs> and I, I just, I don't know why he did that. And, you know, I beat him up the sideline. Wilson, Baldwin, what a throw! Inside the 40! First down, right? And the very next play, Jermaine goes and scores that touchdown. And I was just screaming at him the same thing that he was telling me at halftime. Cool. You know, this is who we are. We may not be the superstars on the team. We may not be the biggest, the strongest, the fastest. We may not have all the stats, but when you give us an opportunity to compete, to help our team win, we're going to show up every time. And that was, you know, that it's, and especially with my brother, right? Jermaine, like be, like going through all the things that we have gone through in our career up to that point and then in th throughout that game mm -hmm. at that point, it was just, a, I mean, you, you saw it. Yeah. You so saw in, it. I, but I was in a, <clears throat> I was doing a, a stand-up at the San Jose Improv, right? And so I was at a sports bar, San Jose, I mean, Niner country. Yeah. And it's all Niners fans. And then myself what? and my buddy. And we're going crazy. I mean, truly the only Hawks fans. They kicked us out of the bar. At the touchdown, I was running around, patting everyone at the back, <laughs> high-fiving. That's just, why they kicked you yeah, out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it was a little, but like, could not contain the enthusiasm. Yeah. And I, it was basically like, I knew I was going to get kicked out, so I just went down the line, like, back rubs, rubbing heads, and literally just to the door, because I was like, see ya, later, we're going to the Super Bowl. Uh, that catch was insane, I mean, that he made in the end zone. Um, even we got to see emotion out of Russ, which was like, crazy. I mean, I don't know how uh how everybody was 
after that, but it was just like, I mean, it was, that game was bonkers. But NFC Championship game. So when that happens, you know you're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, we got about 10 minutes left. Uh, Super Bowl, knowing you're going, is it like tears? Is it like, again, like, I'm just so curious, what's that balance of like letting myself be a human and enjoy the moment, but also like, like you hear in every post game, like it's fuck, we we're not done, you know. Yeah. Which I know I mean, is a true sentiment, but that's really what it was. I mean, we obviously we celebrated on the field after the win, win the locker room, we celebrated, we had a good time. Um, everybody came back the next day, ready to get to work. Mm. You know, we all felt it. Not only did we feel like, um, you know, this was an opportunity. You you're now we're playing for the the greatest game in our sport, but also we all felt like we got something here. You know. Let's 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 go. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to get back to work, and obviously that showed itself in that game in the uh, Super Bowl. I went to that Super Bowl uh, with my buddy Brad. He's a little person and a diehard Broncos fan, and um, so I bust his balls <laughs> all the time right now. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, he was so pumped too. He's like, "Oh man, thanks for uh, thanks for us." And I just texted him the other day. I was like, "No problem, bro." Um, but you know, uh, sports are sports. But that game, we went out there, and he was so cocky i mean he might be four feet four tall but he was acting like he was six eight yeah and we're walking around new york he should have watched us practice he (laughs) he might not have been as cocky (laughs) (laughs) bro that's what i kept telling him i was like and we're walking around new york i don't know if you guys got this experience but it was a lot of seahawks people and i was like well we're traveling for this game yeah and uh and then we get to the game and a lot of orange and i'm just like fuck dude it's just like denver's closer i guess maybe Seattle, whatever. But I felt like I was like, no, I feel like I saw a lot of Seattle peeps in the city walking around and just soaking this up. And then after that opening um, snap uh, and the you safety, heard it. what it was like from your end? Were you like, holy shit, there's a home, a home game, game. Yeah. bro? Yeah. It's snapped over the head of Peyton Manning. A flag is down. The ball's out of the back of the end zone. It's a safety to start this game as Manning wasn't ready. Illegal motion. Offense number 18 moving toward the snap. Penalties decline. Safety. You know, you can talk about it being a quote-unquote corporate crowd. This crowd is loud. They talk about the 12th man in Seattle. Look how this game starts. Yeah, but just a miscommunication there. Peyton Manning is coming up to the line to either make a protection check or change the play. And Manny Ramirez, the center, he doesn't know that. He snaps it over his head. You know, you talked about the culture and the mindset. Like, think about this. Like, as much as, as you know of me as a competitor, right, those guys on the defensive side of the ball were, ju- were just the same. And so going into the game, when you, you know, it's Peyton Manning, it's the best offense in history, right? How do you think those guys took that? Oh, shit. Right? They couldn't wait to shut them down. And obviously they did. Um, again, just going into that game, the level of confidence that we had because we, you know, we, it was all of us together going into this game. It was just, it was a different level. To actually make good on that though. And be, like you said, like, we're going to beat the shit out of them, but you, like, it was not even close. For me, it was unbelievable because yeah. it was like, yo, who wants, like, you know, and when people are like, oh, it'd be cool if it was even a close game. It's like, fuck no, dude. Not after everything that's been said, you want the blowout. Yeah. Um, I know you, we, we got time. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Because I want to talk about the, the following season too, Please. because we 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 should have beat the Patriots, you know. 
we should have beat the Patriots. We knew going into that game it was going to be a dogfight because it's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, right? Like they have been here before. Obviously, they have a culture and a yeah. winning. They they know what they're doing. But we knew going in that game, like, just give us a chance. We're going to win this game. We should have won that game, obviously, yeah, right? Yeah. And I tell you this. If we had won that game, we were going to win the next one. We were going to win the next Super Bowl. There was not a question in anybody's mind. If we had won, like, we, we, we wow. were going to win the next Super Bowl, you know? That was that was the level of greatness I think that our team had. And when I say greatness, I don't mean individual greatness. I'm talking about team, culture, like, all of that we would have won the sec- the third one. We would have won three in a row. Because the confidence level and unity would be at an all-time high. There was no way, there was no way that Marshawn and that offensive line were not getting in the end zone. Yeah, dude. There was no way. It doesn't, and, and again, like this is the level of preparation, confidence, all the things that it doesn't matter what you put up there. It doesn't matter that you're going to put goal line defense and it's it's cover zero man to man. We don't care. You know what I mean? That was the level of the mindset and the and the the mindset the the confidence that we had going in, and obviously it didn't work out our way. But if we would have ran the ball, we would have won the third one. Do you I remember have no doubt about that. Being in the huddle for that call, <laughs> of course. Yeah. So, so two things about that play call. Number yes. one. Um. We were all, <laughs> so I, my nephew, mm. I always, I'm about to, this is a, a side. Um, he, he thought perplexed was pronounced purplexed. <laughs> and so if you ever hear me say I was purplexed, that's why. I know it's perplexed, but I always say purplexed oh, because it's my nephew. I'm Anyways, pronouncing it like that for the rest of the time. I was purplexed, <laughs> right? The, the fact, first off, that we weren't running the ball. But number two, it's a pass play. Right. And again, no offense to my boys. I love my boys, you know, Ricardo, Jermaine, Chris Matthews, all of them. Um, but obviously as a competitor in that in that situation, if you're gonna throw the ball, I want you to throw the ball to me. Not yes. to mention I had been killing Revis the entire game. Yeah. I wanted the ball, but my route was a zone read route. So obvi- you know, everybody knew that they're gonna play man to man. So I come out of the huddle knowing first and foremost, we should be running the ball. And number two, I'm not even in the play. I'm not even gonna, unless he scrambles, I'm not in the play, right? Um, so I was frustrated for multiple reasons sure. with that play call, yeah. And there's nothing you can do, like it's just, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. but I mean, I mean there's- You know, you could not come out of the huddle and say, we're not running this play, but obviously we're not doing that in that moment, you know? Did everybody else, did you kind of look around with their other kind of looks up or we, like- We were, yeah, we were all, yeah. I mean, most of us in the huddle were just kind of purplexed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, at least tell me about the Super Bowl uh, win and how great that was and the parade and the feeling and just the, I mean, does it complete, like, does it kind of make go anything in the career after this is uh, gravy on top? No. And I think, um, I think all of us felt, most of us felt this way. The celebration was cool, but that's not what we remember. Because all, even in the parade, all of us were just so ready to get to next season. Wow. Because we wanted to go do it again. Wow. You know? I, I remember sitting on this float and everybody's like, yeah, this is cool, but <laughs> who's the next opponent? You know, that was the vibe that we had. And I love that because that's what we were there for. We like we were there to win, and all the stuff that came with it, we expected that to come yeah. because we're here. We, all we want to do is win. So you, you guys weren't bummed that you lost the second Super Bowl. It was more, I mean, were, but it was more 
oh, bummed that we're not going to get it because things, what, we're just different at that point, so we're not no, going to get a chance. I mean, to we do were, it. no, don't get me wrong. That locker room, we were very pissed off that we did not win that Super Bowl. Very, very pissed off. Not only in the locker room after, the, after that play in that game, but even, you know, well into the next season, right? It's just, it was a lingering. It was, huh? It was very, yes, it, it lingered. Um, and we did our best to try to come out of it, but, you know, that's a really, listen, you got guys who are who are legitimately killing themselves, right? Like every time that you step out on that field and you get hit, you're taking days off your life. You have guys who are legitimately killing themselves to get to that moment, right? Like we were on the one yard line. Yeah. There's nothing There's nothing that's gonna stop Marshawn and that offensive line from getting in the end. Like even the, like put me at tight end to block the defensive end. I promise you that defensive end is not hitting my running back, Yeah, you know? That's like uh, so. Um, it was. It's just. It's really, 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 really hard to recover from that. And um, you know, I don't think any of us did. And I think you know, it still weigh, weighs on on not just. I know it weighs on Pete and John as much as they want to act like it doesn't. I know it weighs on them too. Wow. You know, it weighs on all of us. But you know, we're coming out of it. We're you know we're obviously we want to see the Seahawks win and get back to that winning culture. And so as now that we're seeing them do that, it's kind of a, a healing process for us too. I was just going to say for someone that's so <clears throat> headstrong like you are and, and able to, you know, has overcome obstacles and knows how to kind of right the ship. How do you, I was talking about this with a buddy of mine, probably because I stayed up all night watching every piece of post game, whatever, just fucking in denial. And I'm like, I don't know how you, I'm like, eventually you get over it or you mm-hmm. or you find a way i guess to cope with it but like how how do you with something like that is it just like winning is it almost like winning cures everything or um honesty hmm. honesty is what um i don't want to say it cures everything but it gives you an opportunity to cure whatever ails you um we had two opportunities to write the ship after the game and we 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 missed it we miss those opportunities. Um, and I know, you know, all of us who are a part of that, we look back on it now and, and, you know, the folks who made those decisions, like they, I know that they, we all wish we would have done something different, yeah. you know? Um, but you live and you learn. And at the end of the day, we're all human too, you know? And we're really, we were really passionate about winning in our culture at that time. So, you know, you take those things personal mm. and it's really hard, you know, and, and yes, those were some, those, those two moments that we missed, those were significant mistakes. Um, you know, I'm not gonna call anybody out about it, but you know, it is what it is. It just, those were two missed opportunities. And I think we could have recovered from those if we if we handled those those two instances right, uh, but we missed it. And it, it just is what it is, you know? And winning is really, really hard in the NFL. Yeah, And it's not, you know, you again, you could have the greatest talents, you can have all the stuff. It's the culture and the little things that matter and the little things to keep that culture together. We missed out on those opportunities and you know, it just it is what it is. Um, before we wrap this up, and by the way, this has been awesome. You're a fucking legend, dude. I hope you had a good time. I, I did. I appreciate yeah. you having me on. Um I want to um just piggybacking on Marshawn. Um just want to throw a couple names at you and just whatever comes to your head, whether it's a couple words, a sentence, a story. Um, just because, um, again, I think as a, as a sports fan, but, but a Seahawks fan, I feel very like, as I know all fans do, like being able to witness that chapter is like unreal. Like it's all you want as a sports fan is to be able to, especially in football, 
um, watch the game like with a purpose and know that it matters and have like yeah. be emotionally connected to it. Yeah. And like you guys gave us, I mean, spoiled really. It's like there's so many teams and people and fans that don't get to have that. And um, and I feel uh, you know same way about having you um to to watch and root for and be a part of. Same way I felt about uh, growing up with Griffey in the '90s. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where it's like, wow, I get to watch and like have a connection to this greatness uh, weekly, and it's fucking it's, it's amazing. Um, Marshawn. Uh, so I'll just say these names, but I mean, like, I'm. There's probably a, a gazillion stories, anecdotes, whatever. But like, just um, Marshawn Lynch. What does that guy uh, mean to you? Love Marshawn is. Um, I can't say enough about him. You know, he uh, he's just oh, man. He's he's at the core of his being. He is a an amazing human being, and you know every interaction with him he demonstrated that you know whether it was like you know taking his backpack i he walked into the locker room one, one time i was like oh that's that's a dope backpack he took it off dumped everything out and gave it to me didn't say anything else and just kept walking Holy shit. i was like marshawn i wasn't asking for it <laughs> you know but that's that was that was the level of Selfless. selflessness that he had and it showed in everything everything that he did he was so caring about everybody around him. You know, he just, it was just, it was love. And I, I respect the hell out of him because of the way that he played the game, right? He played the game the right way. He gave everything to his teammates on the field, but I loved him as a person even more because of how he was, how he treated his teammates off the field. You know, we were always hanging out. We were, he was always taking care of us. He was just, you know, it's like, I could call up Marshawn right now and Marshawn would he would he would pick up the phone and he would talk shit to me, <laughs> you know, just like like and I and if we hadn't spoken in a year, he'd pick up the phone like we we wouldn't we hadn't missed a beat, you know. Um, he's a special human being, and I'm I'm very grateful that I got the opportunity to play alongside him. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say like looking over and seeing him do certain runs ever just again step out of your pro body into your fan body and go jesus christ for sure yeah. but i mean you know after the fact because i'm i'm in there trying to block for him right yeah. <laughs> yeah. but uh but another thing about marshawn is that because he was that way it bled over to all of us like i i, I can't miss this block if i got to get this safety i got to get this safety because i'm not letting the safety hit my, my running back i'm not letting him hit marshawn and if he does hit marshawn i feel not only do i feel terrible about missing my assignment i feel terrible that i let my boy down yeah you know yeah and that that's what winning culture is that's what people miss that's what people don't understand it's not about the x's and o's and like getting your assignment right it's about actually caring about the guy next to you that it matters so much i cannot miss this assignment because i can't let my boy down you know that's the level of of culture that we had and that's why we won because it wasn't about it was just it was just so it was just so much more it was it was about love and and marshawn was he was the catalyst to a lot of that fuck yeah dude uh cliff averill um stud cliff is he is as consistent of a person and a player as you could imagine uh cliff is we were just playing basketball with him earlier this morning fuck, dude. that's my boy um he can also ball he can he can ball he's 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 a stud um solid human being you know, and I, I think what he brought to the element to our team is that he had been at other places. Yeah. You know, he was at Detroit for a long time. Yeah. So he brought an understanding and a perspective that we didn't have mm. and added to our culture tenfold because of that. 
um he's a, he's he's a solid dude mike bennett <laughs> comedy yeah comedy bro he ripped it yes he did commentating with he uh collaborating <laughs> michael b is um he is authentically himself no matter who he is around he does not care um he just wants to be free to be himself he just and he wants to be loved essentially you know and he wants to be loved for who he truly is and he i know he got that in our culture which is why we are, we're still tight to this day mm. right but um yeah mike b he's a, he's a special person too uh russell wilson um russ you guys still homies uh you know we don't talk as often as i'd like yeah if i'm being honest yeah yeah um one word i describe russ um he's a brother you know and and a brother in a sense of like you you want you want well for him yeah you really do and um you know I, I i haven't been around him you know for a long time and you know i just i i hope he's doing okay you know i know the struggles of of struggling in the nfl right now i know you know he can put up the facade all he wants to but as his brother who truly knows him i know it's getting to him really you know yeah. it, it can't not it yeah. c any human being is going to get to 1000 you know and i just hope that he has the right people around him you know, to hold him accountable to who he says that he wants to be is not only as a football player, but also as a, a husband, a father and a man. Right. Because that matter that that's more that but all this other bullshit don't even, it don't even matter. Right. Like, I just want to make sure he's good. That's my brother. We, we were in the trenches mm. for a long, we, we, you know, unfortunately Tyler broke a lot of them, but we had a, <laughs> we had a, we had a lot of records, Yeah, dude. you know? Um, so I just hope he's doing well. I hope he's, you know, keeping his mentals right because I know, um, the, the struggle of the NFL is real. And so I hope he's doing all right. Love that. Pete Carroll. <clears throat> the man. Pete Carroll's the man. Um, and, I, you know, every Pete always gets the credit, but I got to throw John in there too. Yeah. John Snyder, you know, they they work really, really well together. It's a wizard. They, they butt heads a lot, you know, because they're competitive and they're trying to get it right. But those two together, they make a great pair. But Pete and John, like, it, it, it's Pete and John to me. You know, I love Pete to death. Pete's uh, the th the thing that I think for me um, stands out about Pete is just his level of competitiveness. Yeah. But you know what? How old is he now? Seventy? He's what? Bro. Not ninety-five or something like that. <laughs> um, Two hundred eighteen. Yeah. His level of competitiveness. But I know when he was my age. You know when when I came into when we were if when he was that age. I think we were the very similar, yeah. right, in, in our competitive styles. But obviously, he's much older. He's had a, a plethora of experiences. And so his competitive nature has just shifted and changed and morphed to where he can be still competitive, but in the realm that he's able to be competitive in. Right. Um, and I'm seeing that now more and more on the outside of it, right? There was things that I, I disagreed with Pete on. But now looking at it, it's like Pete was just competing to make it right. He was trying his best to make it right, to make it work, you know? And I, I really, really respect that. He was trying I, to find a way to find a way. He, he was trying to find a way to find a way, yeah. you know? Um, and I really respect that. And now, you know, hindsight, looking back on it, I'm like, man, I get, I get why he did what he did in those moments. And I really appreciate that. Um, he's taught me a lot of valuable lessons 
obviously as a coach, but you know, just as a man. And so I'm really grateful for that. I was going to say, does, did he ever drop any nuggets or anecdotes that you, that stuck with you or just life advice or, um, I mean, not, not necessarily verbally cause yeah. you know, it's not, it, it's just the way he lived his life, you know? And again, I'm not trying to paint anybody as a saint because none of us are saints, but that's not what it's about. It's just about how he maneuvered and managed his life amongst all the chaos that was around him. Yeah. You know, obviously being a head coach in the NFL, like there's a lot of things that come with that. And, yeah. but he's also got his family, you know, and I got to, I got to see that part of him. Um, and I, you know, at now as a father of three, I really respect how hard it is to be a coach in the NFL and still be connected to all the people that you got to be connected to. Yeah, um, he did it, he, you know, it, it, not by any means am I saying, you know, he was perfect at it because there's, you know, he's got family that if they hear this are like, well, you know, there's this and that. And I, and I get that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I really appreciated how he tried. He Every day he tried to win the day, you know, and that that I'm not trying to, you know, promote his book because I know it's in his book. <laughs> yeah. But I that's it, that was really him. Every day he tried to win the day. And I tell my brother this all the time. What I learned from that culture was that as a human being, you're going to make mistakes. Mm. But every day you're presented with choices. And every day what you're trying to do is get more wins than losses, right? You're going to take some loss. You're going to take some L's. You're trying to get more wins than losses. And the only way that you get more wins is that if you approach every opportunity, every decision with trying to make the best decision possible. It's not, not to say it's going to be the right decision, but your intent was there, right? And Pete taught me that. Pete, I, sh I shouldn't say he taught me that. Like my family taught me that, but Pete, you know, in the experience that I had with him, he affirmed that for me, and I'm really, really grateful for that. So, Pete's a man. Wow, that's also uh, the exact Jamba Juice slogan. So that's crazy that yeah, Pete would win say the that. Day. He's, yeah. yeah, win the day. <laughs> uh, dude, you're you're a legend on and off the field. It's no surprise that you crush podcasts as hard as you crush uh, the game of football. Um, you're the man, guys. Doug Baldwin, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody clap it up. I appreciate you, fellas. Um, Thanks for having me. You're the man, dude. And uh, next time you hoop it up at LA Fitness, uh, I'd like to throw my name in the hat. If okay. you need a uh, 6'1", uh, quick, quick, fat power forward. Um, <laughs> I'm tough to D up. I'm tough to D up. Um, I got a three ball in me. Didn't get to bust it out because uh, GP pulled me after I bricked a couple layups. Listen, I saw you shoot. Pre-game. I did. Is it, okay, so that's your excuse? It was pregame? <laughs> yeah, dude. You and Sue Bird told me I was shooting too much. Yeah, okay. But you saw me shoot. What'd you say? Um, it just, you know, I'd rather you pass the ball. <laughs> oh, God damn. It's all love. It's the all love. Hurts. I'm trying to win. I'm trying to win. Look, I know my I strength know. and my weaknesses too, right? So. Man, yeah, I guess. I mean, my yeah, my place was in the post, but there were just too many big bodies down there. Um, next year, right. though. Next year. Next year. You guys going to run it back? Absolutely. What? Absolutely. I think I got a couple more years left in me. Okay. Done deal. I also want to talk to you guys about trying to maybe get a, a comedy show uh, going in uh, support yeah, yeah, of the organization. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, figure that Down out. For that. Champions of Change .org, uh, Doug Baldwin, you're on Instagram and Twitter. You're a great follow, and you're a great dude. I fucking appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. All right, guys. Later. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.